My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. It was 2006. Um, I remember that. I was 23 years of age and I earned my first six-figure salary, right? So this is my story. And, and back in the days, I can remember it was because of my ego. I bought property. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shump, and in this episode, we're speaking with buyer's agent Tommy Segaro to learn all about how he moved from Indonesia to Australia alone as a teenager, how he managed to expand his property portfolio despite staying away from investing for six years, and how he's been able to develop his own buyer's agency business from nothing. Working as a buyer's agent in Perth, Sagara is quite experienced in the field of property purchasing and investing. I've been investing. I mean, the, the business itself as a buyer's agent is only entering its six months. Um, I have done 10, I've purchased 10 properties so far. Um, however, my investing journey went back since 2006. So I've had more than, I guess, of 10 year, what do you call, experience investing in property. Um, yeah, and I've got a, a software development background as well. I came from an IT, I guess, software development background. I've, I've been in IT for more than 15 years. And uh, and yeah, I guess I guess that's what gives me the, the edge of being a buyer's agent is, is being able to apply my IT skills, um, you know, integrating with various systems like RP data and stuff to, to give me the information that I want. With a skill set like this, Helping clients find property is part of Sagara's daily routine. As a buyer's agent, my job is to find property, uh, to help people buy property. So um, I've got, I've, I'm serving for some buyers, owner occupiers, and investors. So obviously, um, every market segment has different requirements. Um, owner occupiers and for some buyers are more into, you know, helping them finding the property that, that, that suits their requirements and um, that, that in, is in good location as well. But for investors, it's more about the, the numbers. So I've got various strategies that I implement for them um, to give them, I guess, a yeah, financial um, uh, advantage, I guess. Born overseas, Sagara shares how he found himself in Australia. I came from Indonesia. I was born in Indonesia. Um, I've been in Perth. For well, since 1998, I came here when I was in year 10, went into a boarding house. I'm from a town called Surabaya, which is just an hour away from Bali. It's in Java Island, uh, but it's just an hour flight away. And why he moved at a young age? 
as a boy, I guess back then I was really shy. So my parents were like, "Oh, you know, it's it's not good if if you know Tommy has to be in Indonesia all the time, being close to to his parents. So we need to send him somewhere that is far away from the parents, so that he can be, I guess, more independent." So that that is that was the main intention back then. While not a common thing to be done, Sagara shares that his parents' decision to move him to Australia was for his own good. Generally, people in Indonesia we tend to be very—I um, don't know—I don't know what's the word, but it's, it's, we, we tend to be hesitant to express our feelings and, and whatnot. So we, we tend to have—we um, tend to not be confident as a person. Um, it's just the, the the culture, I guess. And um, but as far as sort of motivation, sending their children to overseas, obviously a lot of them are for education. Um, but for me, is well, number one is is for that for confidence, and number two is obviously education and, and future. So growing up in Indonesia, tell me a little bit more about that. I'm I'm curious to learn like what what things did you do in Indonesia? What what kind of um, what was the upbringing like in Indonesia? Like what was your childhood like? My parents didn't come from a a rich family background. Um, they worked really hard, and I think um, you know I, I can actually speak to uh, about a lot of people um, who who are in the same boat as, as my parents. So because of that, they have been a lot of us have been taught to to save a lot, right? Um, uh, to have a good career, um, just so that we're not going as the children we're not going through what the parents were going through. Um, and and I think if you want to talk about property specifically. Um, a lot of us tend to buy cash back in Indonesia because obviously property prices are a lot cheaper in Australia. And, and secondly, it's because of, of that, I guess, culture background, right? I mean, a lot of us came from a, a poor family background. So to us, cash is king. Uh, my parents always tell me, you know, if you want to buy anything, car, whatever it is, try to, to have the money first before, you know, don't have loans if possible. Um, especially on depreciating assets. So that's how I've been raised. Um, to learn to save a lot doesn't mean that I'm good at saving. It's just because me as a person in nature, I'm not good at saving. Um, but I've been taught a lot. That's that's how I've been raised. He also explains the reason he migrated to Australia while he was a high school student. My parents uh, felt that uh, you know I was old enough to go overseas. And, and like you said, I somehow I had, I had the desire to as well um, to explore you know, may as well just just start high school here, um, because I heard if, if you start back then, if you start directly in uni, I think you have to to study for English first, and and that's like a six month waste of time kind of thing. Well, well, when I went from year nine to year ten to Australia, I actually gained six months because Australia starts in what February, and and we actually start in July in Indonesia. So. As you can imagine, um, I was year 10 in February in Australia. If I would have stayed in Indonesia, it would be July before I went to, to year 10. In terms of integration, Sagar explains whether it was easy or not to move and start a new life here. I was crying <laughs> during my first night in, in, in the boarding house because, you know, obviously it, it was homesick and I didn't understand the thing. I mean, I, I have done English course for like many, many years, but because you never practice day to day. And then it's just, I mean, you know, Australian has, has their own sort of, I guess, what he calls... Um, Language and slangs. Yeah. So it, it, I just didn't understand the thing for the first six months, um, Tyrone. I mean, in the class, I was just almost falling asleep almost every time just because I couldn't I couldn't understand the thing. But yeah, luckily, after, after six months, I was a lot more comfortable. 
After high school, Sagara took his parents' advice and continued his studies, studying computer science at a university. Back then, I think it was called TE, and then after that, I went to uni. Um, I did computer science again. I mean, this is again, this is my, the way we were raised as well in Asia is, is to have a good education. Don't just do, I mean, a lot of my friends were doing commerce, um, but my parents always told me, you know, make sure you, you do a course that has tangible career movement. Right, like if you do computer science, you know that you're going to be a computer programmer, right? If you do engineering, you're going to be an engineer. But if you do commerce, it's like, what are you going to be doing? Are you going to own your own business? What sort of industry are you going to be in? So that's when that's when I actually chose to to become a computer. I actually wanted to do engineering, computer engineering before, but my marks were not sufficient, so I did computer science. Completing this three-year degree, Sagara shares that in hindsight, experience in uni wasn't exactly what he expected. If I look back now, I would confidently say that I applied nothing in what I'm doing now. Seriously, like I hate to say it, but I, yeah, I, I did, I, I learned a lot back in uni, but I applied nothing. Having said that, though, I think it's more of like the, the, the moral values that you get, right? The, the hard work and and. It just that that sort of skills is is what I pick up, but the technical skills itself, I didn't quite apply what what I was studying then because um, at the moment, in terms of IT, I'm more into sort of like web development space. Back in those days, we learn about more of like a, a you know a computer programming and and just sort of like a technical programming, which is just not applicable for me at the moment. University education aside. How exactly was Sagara able to sustain himself with his family living in Indonesia while he studied in Australia alone? I didn't have to support myself financially, um, so I was grateful of that. Uh, my parents had all, yeah, had always had this. This is what they've, they've taught me as well. Is you know something like for education is something that you just have to support your children with. Um, but they they keep teaching me about make sure you know I save money. I I was only getting uh, uh, maybe like seventy bucks. Um, per week or something like that is is not huge at all for me to to just for my day to day. I had few um, uh, like part time jobs in restaurants and, and whatnot, becoming a, a waiter. Um, but that's that's about it. Yeah, I, I did. I think only I graduated. That's when I started my, I guess, programming journey. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Tommy Cigar's journey and the funny reason he got started in property. I bought property because I just want to show off to my friends that here we go, right? A 20-year-old, 23-year-old guy is able to buy his own investment property. The obstacles he faced along the way. I bought it, in, I think in 2006, Perth has just gone through a, a major boom in property price. So I was at the peak of the market. Um, that's why there, there was no growth at all. The valuable lessons he's picked up along his journey. Number one, first and foremost, is calculate your cash flow, right? I mean, property investment is very much like a business. If you don't calculate your cash flow, that's how you that's how you lose money. Um, it's because it's all the running cost. And that's next. I'm Taran Sham, and you're listening to Property Investory. Following his university journey, Sagara shares how he landed his first job in computer programming. My first job was in a tanning company as a PHP developer, funnily enough. So that's how I started my career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was in that tanning company for maybe two, 
one year and then I moved to my second job. Um, I, I, think, I think it was a recruitment agency or something. Um, so I was, I was still a PHP developer, but then the company suddenly made a direction change to, to use Microsoft technology. So that's how I was then first introduced to .NET and Microsoft technologies, which I was really grateful because being in WA, um, as far as IT goes, it's now pretty much Microsoft town. While the skills gained at this job were useful, Sagara shares that he actually didn't stay within the company for long, moving around up until his current position. This is my 14th job, right? So I, I, I moved quite a lot, to be honest, um, because back in the days, um, every time I move, I can get 10, 15K raise in salary. So that that made me, you know, <laughs> wanted to just, just get motivated, to just not, 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 not just because of the money, but the experience as well. Um, yeah, so I think uh, until like right now, I've been I've been in this company with, with this company for like oh, eight years now. But prior to that, I was like keep moving every six to twelve months. In the web development space for over fifteen years, at what time did Cigar start investing into property? So it was two thousand and six. Um, I remember that I was twenty three years of age, and I earned my first six-figure salary, right? So this is my story. And and back in the days, I can remember it was because of my ego, I bought property because I just want to show off to my friends that here we go, right? A 20-year-old, 23-year-old guy is able to buy his own investment property. I didn't I didn't do any research. I didn't do... And all, all my friends were telling me, were like, oh, Tommy, you know, you, you earned this great money. Might as well save tax. So why don't you just consider buying a property? And I'm like, ah, that's a great idea. Let's buy a property. Just buy anything, right? It was a four-by-two-house, pretty pretty little house. Um, it was, when, when I bought it, it was already like 10 years old or something. So depreciation was minimum. Long story short, um, after my tax return, it, I still had to fork out about 10 grand annually to hold to that property. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that's how I lost my 50, 60 grand is because I hold it for six years. So from 2006, I sold it in 2012. Um, I bought it for 440. I sold it at 450, right? And minus the agency, I'm not even making maybe five grand there, right? Um, but then throughout the period, obviously it cost me 10 grand. So it's, it's put 50, 60 grand loss. While the lack of research could have been one of the reasons for the little profit gained, Sagara adds that the timing of the market did also affect his investment's appreciation rate. I bought it, in, I think in 2006, Perth has just gone through a, a major boom in property price. So I was at the peak of the market. Um, that's why there, there was no growth at all. That's why in six years, you know, it, it only went up from 440 to 450 because of that. Despite these learning curves, however, the results from that first investment didn't actually stop Sagara from investing. During that period, um, other than that, that property, I was partnering with a business partner to buy another property, another unit. Again, this is, was this was just another bad purchase, right? I mean, both of us didn't know any better. Um, I still have that, that second property until today. Um, it's it's a unit, and which again, it's it's strategy and everything. It's 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 negative cash flow as well. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking of selling it during the mining boom, but my partner was like, um, you know, let's just hold it a bit more, but here we are now in the downturn. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I, I, I still have that with me at the moment. Um, that's, that's, that was my second purchase. Fast forward to today, Sagara shares that he has expanded his portfolio quite a bit. At the moment, I've got five investment properties um, and one principal place of residence. 
thinking about the properties in his portfolio, he delves into whether or not he has experienced a horrible investing moment. Uh, worst one, probably not, I would say, because I think um, the, the, the moral of the story was the cash flow was just too bad, right? I think a lot of people um, buy property um, thinking that they, they always go up in value is true in 20, 30 years' time. But I think what, what we often fail to see is, can we actually hold that long? Can we survive 20 years' time, right? And and because I had to sell, for it's just because every month I have to keep forking out almost one grand every month. That's a lot, right? And 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 I was getting married and stuff, and it was just, I thought this is just a headache. And because of that, I had to sell early. And I think um, I can speak, um, you know, uh, on behalf of a lot of buyers that I've talked to so far, is, is we are in the same boat in the sense that they just have to sell early. And never experience that growth. It's just because the cash flow is way too negative. Having quite a bit of insight on situations like this, Sagara shares some valuable advice for people out there looking to invest. What I would say is um, just number one, first and foremost, is calculate your cash flow, right? I mean, property investment is very much like a business, right? I mean, who wants to sell a burger that 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 costs a dollar and happy to just take forty cents, right? If if somebody tells you to buy property to save tax, just run away. I mean, if you don't calculate your cash flow, that's how you that's how you lose money. Um, it's because it's all the running costs. I mean, if you've got a lot of money in your buffer, that's great. But if not, like me, I have to, to fork it out from my main bank account. You see it month after month. I'm like, holy moly, I'm making this much money. And this, this is only the money I get left over. It's just because to hold that property, it's just... It's just very expensive. On the flip side, Sagara shares one of his better investing moment stories. After those two purchases, um, I was I was vacuumed from from property investing because, again, I don't know, I don't know if it's human nature or not. But you know, rather than blaming myself, I blamed the vehicle. Right? I was like, property investment is not for me. I'm going to go out of the market for now. Right? Um, but then along the way, obviously, I, I read more, I learned more. And and that's when I had my aha moment. I'm like, oh, it's actually not not that difficult investing in property. Obviously, property investing, what I like is it's 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 the kind of investment which you can actually just buy, set and forget kind of thing, right? As long as the cash flow on paper uh, doesn't cost you any money, you can just hold that, you know, day after day without without worrying about it. So so I had that aha moment, and not just that. Um, so from 2012 to 2018, I didn't buy anything. So came 2018, um, this was obviously mining boom in Perth um, happened between 2013 to 2015. And then after after 2015, it was pretty much downturn, right? And um, I, I when, when I moved to this IT job, um, it was during the mining boom. So I had a pre, I, 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 I was doing IT contracting. As a, as a contractor, I got paid really good hourly rate. And, um, and, and, you know, I've been staying with the company for, for this company for, for eight years now. And, and during the period after the mining downturn, um, you know, when, when I asked around about salary of, of the similar job, I was, I was, I would be getting maybe 30, 40 bucks an hour less. That's a good 70, 80 grand less in salary, right? So I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to move. But come 2018, this is my aha moment. So come 2018, I received this phone call from a recruitment agent and, and he was asking if I'm looking to move. And I'm like, no, I'm not interested. But if you don't mind me asking, can you tell me what sort of package are you offering? Came to my surprise, they were offering the same salary during the mining boom time. And I'm like, ooh, 
is this a turning point for WA now? Are we at the bottom now, right? Uh, I mean, because for many years, um, that, like I said, like, like, like I just mentioned, we, we were talking 30, 40 bucks per hour or less. And here we are, suddenly there was this company willing to offer the same rate as I was getting at the mining boom. And I'm like, is this a turning point? So couple that with all the skills and knowledge that, that I've been acquiring regarding property investing, I'm like, I need to go back. And something just spoke to my heart to sort of like, you, you have to go back to the property market. So there I did. I, I bought two investment properties straight away. It was after this moment that Sagari not only decided to continue investing, but also to become a buyer's agent. The buyer's agent, obviously, it's, it's, it's not new as, as an industry, but it's new to a lot of people and especially in WA. So because of that, um, I would admit that, that my charge rate hasn't, you know, is not that great yet. Um, so I, I've, obviously the business itself is still new. So, so my IT job has allowed me to, to pay the bills and, and for just for day-to-day expenses. So I'm, I, yes, I'm still doing my, my IT job as well as the buyer's agency work. So, inspired by Tommy Segaro's journey and his amazing aha moment, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Invest Story, where we'll discuss his strategy. My strategy, obviously, if it's for buy and hold, um, it has to be positive cash flow on paper. Um, so, one of the things that I looked at was um, rental yield has to be 5% or more. The personal habits which have been contributing to his success? I never stopped learning. I never stopped working. So, I think, I think it's, 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 it's a mentality... And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tapiphone.